Ephesians chapter 5. We'll return to our series through this epistle. We've taken a couple weeks off. One week I was out of town. Last week we did some financial housekeeping to go over our annual finances, but we are in this section of this epistle where relationships are being addressed, husband-wife relationships, children and parents, employer-employees, and we've been focusing on uh, the marriage relationship. We've talked about the wife's role in the marriage, and if you've missed it, you need to go online and listen because it's too much to try to recap, and we've covered a lot of ground. So far, we've only spent one week addressing Christian husbands. (laughs) Wow, praise the Lord. It's one way to get the women to amen. And uh, some wives are viewing the break in sermons as being lenient to the husbands. But ladies, you have to remember we're more hard-headed, and it takes time for things to sink in before we can put them into practice. And so I wanted to give the men time to start practicing what they heard. Let's address the husbands again tonight by reading verses 22 through 33. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, And the wife see that she reverence her husband. So we started last time talking about the husband's need to love his wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ is at the head of the church because he is the savior of the body. There is headship because there was action on Christ's part to become our savior. His position of leadership Uh, is the fact that he's the head, but it's because of his activity of being the Savior that enables him to have that. Being a loving husband is far more than being willing to simply lay down your life for your wife. Many will run with that assumption that, well, as long as I'm willing to die for my wife, I'm doing my part. But, Christ didn't show us His love by being willing to die. He actually died for us. There was some action. When Jesus, just recapping, when Jesus resurrected, He still bore the marks of the cross in His body. 
And we have no problem with the teaching that we need to bring ourselves under the subjection of Christ because we're being led by nail-pierced hands. We know that He's gone before us. We know that He has laid down His life for us. And He has the scars to prove it. Therefore, and this is something I'll repeat from last time, a wife will have no problem bringing herself under subjection and being led by a man who has been to the cross. A man who so identifies with Christ that he, in a sense, bears the marks of the cross in his body. And husbands, if you're desirous for a sweet, submissive wife who will willingly follow your leadership, who will see you as the head of the home, as God has designed you to be, then you must live a crucified life. Amen, man. That's where you need to say amen. You need to live a crucified life. A wife will follow her Lord because He went to the cross for her. She's secure in that Christ loves her. She knows that Christ will never leave her nor forsake her. And a wife will follow her husband who Sarah said is her earthly Lord. If you bear in your body the marks of a life lived for Christ, she'll feel secure. A wife has no problem submitting herself to a husband who is walking with the Lord. Because a man who is walking with the Lord will not harm his wife. He will not stop loving her. He will never let her take second place to any other human being on this earth. And he will not leave her nor forsake her. He'll stand in between her and the world for her protection. And if you get a hold of this, then your wife can become a woman like we find in Proverbs 31.12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And you'll end up like Proverbs 31.28. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. So husbands, how's your walk with God? Are you living the crucified life? You'll never love your wife as Christ loved the church until you're willing to do that. But if you'll live a crucified life, you'll find that your wife will gladly give herself to your headship. Amen. Now for tonight, I want to begin with this thoughts. Husbands, you're not, to, you're not called to be a tyrant. You're called to be a lover. A woman is programmed to be loved. And deep down, every woman wants a man who will lead her by loving her. I mentioned in a previous message the dichotomy that we see in the world where the world will tell women, you're not, you're not going to be happy so long as you're placing yourself under your husband. You're not going to be fulfilled in life unless you're independent. And yet, almost all the entertainment in the world that is geared specifically towards women has to do with romance. So on one hand, you're being told that you need to stand on your own and be independent and don't, don't worry about a man. But on the other hand, that's where all the sappy romance movies come from. I can tell you how every single Hallmark movie is going to end. Amen. And don't get me started on the Christmas ones, Brandy. Uh, they're all the same. He's either Santa Claus in disguise or 
uh, anyway, they're all a bunch of nonsense. But uh, <laughs> they're all aimed at, in that direction, from movies to romance novels, even to songs that are written in the world, sung by women. Uh, so many of it has to do with the, the desire to be loved. They don't want some weak man who will just jump when he's told, live under her shadow, but she wants a strong, confident man who will love her all the days of his life by his actions. And ladies, if you have a man who's not so confident and you ask him, can you please reach that for me? Then you praise him for how tall he is. <laughs> can you open this for me? Oh, you're so strong. Look at those muscles. If he cuts the grass, hey, you cut the grass better than anybody I know. Hey, man. <laughs> it's a joke with me and my wife, but she's not here tonight, so um, she'll have to listen to it later and laugh. I always tell her after I, after I cut the grass, aren't I a good grass cutter? Oh, you're such a good grass cutter. Uh, amen. But it's the world who admits that there's that kind of need in a woman's life, and it's because God has designed a wife to be loved. Now, the world wouldn't put it in those words, but that's true. And so God commands the husband to love his wife. And we are given two ways in this text of how to do that. The first, which we've already covered, is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. But the second is in verse 28, where we read that a man is to love his wife as his own body. Christ loving the church is an attitude of sacrificiality, and the action is not just the crucifixion, but his love goes on to nourish and to cherish us. One is sacrificial, one is very sensitive, one is an attitude, and the other is an action. One is theologically true, and one is practically true in practice. And this has to be inspired because if it was just left with us that the husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, then the text would rise to this level where it's never applied. And so it goes on to say, you love her like you love yourself. And then it gets very practical. You love your wife for her betterment. Verse 26 is the result of love. It is not merely our enjoyment, but it is her upbuilding. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Jesus makes us clean and holy. Amen. And we are washed by the word of God. His love for us makes us clean. And in verse 27, he removes all sin. His blood can wash away every spot, every wrinkle, and every blemish. Hallelujah. And uh, he forgives completely. Aren't you glad that he forgives? If we love our wives like Christ loves the church, then how can we not want her to be the very best Christian she can possibly be? How could we ever treat her like she is beneath us? How could we not bestow our financial gain upon her? How could we have our wife in a place of emotional and financial dependence and yet not provide for her to the point where she now begins, she feels like she now needs to look outside of the home for those things? 
How can we who are called to be her covering turn around and cause her the greatest pain? It should be our desire to never hurt our wife. We should never intentionally be hurtful. So husbands, is your home a garden where your wife can flourish? Or is her home, is her home life the reason she could look at another single lady and say, you better be careful? I can tell you that I've never looked at a godly young couple who are trying to do things right, and I've got to emphasize that. I've never looked at that and said, don't get married. It's going to be the worst thing you've ever done. Are you with me? I love being married to my wife. And I tell those who come to me for marriage counseling, you're, you're going to have the time of your life together. I have had the time of my life. And it's all about doing it God's way. We see in verse 28 that we are to love our wife as our own bodies, just as Christ loves His own body. And in verse 29, we see that it is nourishing and cherishing. Every need we have, Christ provides us. To nourish means He brings us up. It means He brings us to maturity. And to cherish means He protects us. And it's the idea of a hen brooding over her chicks. It means to warm and to foster. Christ loves us as His own body, and our wives are our own body. Verse 31 says, The husband shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Why didn't God just make Eve from the dirt like He did man? Because God wanted Adam to know something was missing in his life. And God wanted Adam to know that she was created from him. And when God brought Eve to Adam, he said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. (laughs) This just hit me. There's this crazy movement out there that we need to change woman, she, her. We need to change that terminology because you can't have her without he. You can't have woman without man. You can't have she without he. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to be associated with the man. Anyway, that's for free. They become one flesh because she was taken from man. In the Hebrew, man is ish and woman is isha. Man and woman, you can't have one without the other. There's a union between the two. And no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it. Are you nurturing your wife? Do you cherish her? Are you bringing her to maturity? Are you protecting her? Nothing is to hurt her. Nothing is to enter your home and her life that will hurt her or cause her to go backwards spiritually. And men can be so selfish. We can be so selfish because of how we love ourselves. But we are to love her as we love ourselves. What does she need? What does she want? 
What does she want to do? Where does she want to go? So let's get practical. How do you nourish and cherish your wife? There are areas where your wife will be deficient unless you provide it for her. And to provide it, you must be holy and godly. I want to give you seven things that your wife needs. Number one, security. Your wife needs security. She needs to know that you love her and that you will provide for her so long as you both shall live. You need to bring, you need to be her retirement plan. You need to be her insurance. She needs to be secure that you will never leave her and that you will never forsake her. She needs to know that she's loved by you with all the love that you have to give. The woman said in the Song of Solomon, Set me as a seal upon thine heart and as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. She needs to know she is sealed upon your heart and arm. She needs to know that she is upon your heart every day and that she is the prize upon your arm. One of the saddest things is when a husband abandons his wife. All those years she's been at home raising the children. And then he decides to go on some sin life crisis. I don't even like to call it a midlife crisis. It's sin. And he goes out on some sin rampage and he just walks out the door. But she had trusted all those years that he was going to be there. And now there's a broken woman who gave up all her career aspirations to be a wife and a mother. But now because he selfishly walked out with a younger model, she's forced to go to some just above minimum wage job and work by the sweat of her brow just to make ends meet. Well, that angers me. It's tragic. Husbands, your wife needs the security that you will always be there. She needs the security that you will always provide for her. And I know things happen. People die. There's handicaps. There's disabilities. But for those who are able, she needs to know that she is not married to a bum. Amen. Even if you lose your job, she needs to know that you'll be out there submitting your resumes, beating the street, trying to get another job. She does not want an irresponsible or immature husband. She doesn't want a man who refuses to work. And she doesn't want a man who will place more emphasis on his gaming system than he will her. She needs to be secure that you will never stop loving her. Even after you've seen all the blemishes and all the sin, you need to love her. She needs to know that even after 40 plus years of marriage... That you'll still want to take her hand and let her know that the greatest thing that ever happened to your life outside of salvation is when she said yes to your proposal. She also needs the security of a loving leader. How sad when a wife in a church needs to say, pray for my husband to have a heart for the things of God. How sad is that? Your wife needs to Be able to take your sons to her side and point to you as the dad and say, that's who you need to be like. She wants the glory in you. 
She wants a man who will lead her with the knowledge of God's word. She wants a man who is a leader spiritually. She wants a man that she wants to be beside in the faith. She doesn't want a man where she has to pray, God, will you ignite my husband to move? She wants your example to follow. Number two, understanding. Your wife needs understanding. Your wife is a walking marriage manual. (laughs) God has built into her everything that is needed for a healthy marriage. It is instinctive to her. She loves romance. She loves tenderness and gentleness, communication, time, vacations with you. All of the things that will properly feed a marriage and give it life. It's built into her already. We just need to understand it. A man is made to provide. You ask a man, how's it going? The conversation turns to his work, his car, his hobby. But you ask a woman, how's it going? And the conversation goes to her children. It goes to her family. You need to be sensitive to what kind of woman that God has given you. Understand her. Number three, communication. Your wife needs communication. (laughs) She needs a listener. They want a man just to listen. Just to listen. Despite all the meaningless details... To just listen. Listen to her with no other distractions. Turn the television off. Put the phone away. Turn off the tablet, the internet, whatever. And hold back all the answers you have. Because men, we want to fix. Just hold that back. And don't ever tell your wife, you shouldn't feel that way. (laughs) And watch the nonverbals. <laughs> I need my wife here for that one. She's, if you tell her you shouldn't feel that way, she's not going to go, really? Oh, well, the problem's solved then. <laughs> Men will often converse with their wife like someone plays tennis. Your wife will volley a conversation shot over the net at you. She looks for you to volley that back. But what do we do? Well, we do one of three things. One, we let the ball hit the back fence. Because we don't want to volley back and have the conversation. Or two, we gear up for a passing shot by smashing it along the back, the back line. Well, you're just being ignorant about it. Stop feeling that way. Or three, we rush the net and we just crush it. We crush the ball right back in their face. (laughs) She wants to talk. And you know when you and your wife fell in love was when you got to level three communication. (laughs) Level one communication is cliches. How you doing? I'm okay, how are you? That's what most of us do in church. Level two is exchange of information. How you doing? Well, it's been a rough day. Yeah, I hear you. Level three is when you go beyond cliches, you go beyond information. How's your day been? Well, it's been a rough day. Oh, yeah? Tell me about it. Who do you work for? (laughs) 
I'm, I'm thinking, tell me about it. No, you just opened it up there, okay? Now you have to listen. At some point, you had enough privacy to get to level three communication. Adrian and I began to talk deeper about life, and we just listened to each other. And she thought, I need 50 years of this. Are you with me? Men, we like to think she just fell in love with our hot bod. (laughs) But she fell in love with communication. Adrian fell in love with me making her laugh. Come to find out it had nothing to do with how hunky I was. (laughs) I like what Joe Arthur said. He was preaching and he said, I remember when you were a hunk and now you're nothing but a chunk. (laughs) You see, those of us who are married, we gave her the illusion of sensitivity. And you kept that illusion up long enough to get her to the wedding altar. And we made a commitment that we really didn't understand. Guess what? She wants that communication for the rest of her life. Number four is tenderness. Your wife needs romance. Men make the mistake of, and I'm putting this in the politest way I know how, Men make the mistake of going after intimacy like she has the same drive as a man. Tenderness means you touch your wife in a non-sexual way. When's the last time you just held your wife's hand? When's the last time you just put your arm around her? All without some ulterior motive. And even if that's where it's heading, are you tender? Do you still romance your wife? You should know your wife well enough to know her pulse. Be romantic. Number five, I, got, I know i got to hurry here. Esteem. Your wife needs to be esteemed. She needs to be appreciated. Because the world tells a Christian woman who labors to be excellent in the home and in the marriage that she has missed the boat. And we need to be like the man in Proverbs 31 verse 29 who says, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Do you lift your wife up? Do you brag on her? And do you brag on her to her face? Because I've learned that men will brag on their wife in public. They really do. But when they're alone with their wife, it's like all of a sudden, they don't know how to communicate those things anymore. Amen. She needs to hear it. Number six, she needs personal time. Your wife needs personal time to be alone. That's why Mike's going to the Philippines. (laughs) I'm only teasing. We'll strike that from the recording. But have you ever just stayed home with the children so that your wife could go shopping by herself? (laughs) Not the grocery store. (laughs) I just thought about... Whatever it is that she may want to do. Maybe you can just take the children out of the house... And she can just take a nap. That's probably what my wife would do. <laughs> what do you want to do? I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> Amen. And don't try to be slick and count things like ladies' meetings. That doesn't count. Uh, time that's not surrounded by the ministry, but time alone. Time away from any need to be engaged. Engaged. 
And I, especially I'm talking to, to husbands with wives with little kids. Time to just not be engaged. I don't need somebody tugging on me for a minute, right? Now, if she's the type who views personal time differently, then figure out whatever makes her tick. If it's mom's night out, then God bless her. If you haven't seen the movie, see the movie. Um, it's worth your time. But give her time without her having to wonder, what are the kids getting into? Let her do what she likes to do independent of anybody else. And number seven, help. Your wife needs help. She may work outside of the home and not have time for all the things that need to take place in the home. And she may have children all day if she stays at home and not have time for everything else that needs to be done. She's changing diapers. She's cleaning throw-up. She's unclogging toilets. She's doing dishes, doing laundry, disciplining, <laughs> discipling, disciplining the children. She gets them ready for bed, gets them into bed. She does the cooking and the shopping. And some men act like that's not their job. And what you just did was you just slapped your wife in the face saying that she's not important. She needs help. Just do some things around the house. Now, I can't cook. So anytime my wife asks if she can pick up a meal on the way home to save her the time of preparing and cooking, I always say yes. It's just one example of trying to be a help. But, you know, to be honest, before I send her out to change the oil in the car, I tell her what kind of oil to use. <laughs> I tell her how the tires need to be rotated. I, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> on a more serious note, my wife knows when she leaves the house and she comes back, she's not coming back to a mess. When she leaves me alone with the children, which used to be dangerous when they were younger, she's not coming home to a mess. There's not going to be dishes piled in the sink. Everything's going to be done. The house is going to look like it's been kept. Now, your wife is unique, guys, and so you need to figure out which one of these needs more attention than others, but love your wife and provide the things that she needs. I want to real quickly close here, but I want to give you four things that you need to protect your wife from. The first thing is protect her from loneliness. She should never feel like she has to go outside of the home for intimacy. Never put her in a place where she feels alone in your marriage. If she says she has a problem, then you have a problem. Because that is now bone of your bones, flesh of your flesh. You need to be approachable. And if you're not men, I will assure you, the enemy will place some man in her path who will give her the attention that you should have been giving her. And she will end up being hustled by some scumbag who knows how to take advantage of lonely women. Amen. And if your wife ends up in an affair, it's almost always because there was loneliness. Some man came along and provided for her what she was lacking that you owed her. Number two, protect her from anger. Your wife should not be afraid of you. You may need to go to her and ask for forgiveness. We should never hurt our wives. Number three, protect her from criticism. Don't let others criticize your wife. Number four, protect her from the brunt of life. Husbands, we're to live by the sweat of our brow. Don't send your wife to deal with conflicts in life. 
We have to protect her from all of that. So husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. And so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. How you doing, husbands? Maybe some of you need to get alone with your wife and get some things back in their proper place. We need to give them security, understanding, communication, tenderness, esteem, personal time and help. And we need to protect them from loneliness, anger, criticisms, and this world. Nourish and cherish your wife. Let's pray.